My name is Brian Blenheim. I'm the associate pastor here. As many of you guys know, I actually, several years ago, actually several, probably three years ago, took up the, uh, the sport of long-distance trail running. Most of you guys are checking out right about now, going, I get tired when I run to the fridge. That's what I thought about five years ago. Oh, that's nuts. Get out of here. I get winded running a 5K. Um, that's about three miles. So, um, But anyways, I took up the sport of long-distance trail running. And uh, I, I love it. I love uh, long-distance running, but not just long-distance running, but trail running, primarily because it gets me back into nature, primarily because it gets me out and away from the, the city and the hustle and the bustle and the sidewalks and the cars and the cell phones and all the things that vie for our attention on a day-to-day basis. And it just kind of returns me to a place where, quite frankly, I'm unreachable. You can't get me out there. My cell phone doesn't work because I'm not carrying it. Um, you know, you don't run into a lot of people, and it's a lot simpler. It's quiet. Uh, it's a great place to think and to reflect. And, uh, and I love the long distance, the, the running part of it as well, primarily because it's a wonderful metaphor for me for life. I see a lot of metaphor, I see a lot of similarities, see a lot of uh, uh, things that, that happen in, in long distance running that also happen in life. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. You know, it's interesting uh, when, when you start a trail run, everybody's excited. Everybody's laughing, cutting up, you know, whoo, that was fun, we'll see you all next week. You get to mile one or whatever, if you're doing a marathon, you know, everybody's still laughing and cracking up, cracking jokes and, and, and having a good time. You get to about mile eight. Some people are feeling, I don't know, I'm okay. Still got a smile on their face, but they're feeling a little winded. You get to about mile 15, 16, 17, and the fun has ceased, and it's just, it's just a grind. And uh, they, they've actually commonly began to refer to that as the wall. You hit the wall right about mile 18 is, uh, is where most people hit it. I hit it about mile 16. I don't know why. I guess I just hit it at 16. But uh, you, you've, you've been running for several hours by this point. You've covered 16 miles. Um, for me, if you hit it at 18, you've covered 18 miles. You've got eight more miles left to go. Your legs are hurting. Your feet are swollen. Your hands are swollen. You're winded. You're sweaty. You've been out there for several hours, and you, you know you still have at least another hour or so to go. And there's a lot of things that, physiologically that are happening. That you, you, you go from shifting uh, to burning, from burning primary fuel sources to burning secondary fuel sources. All that to say, you hit this point where you are just you're done you get to about mile 18 and man you want to quit and it's a low spot and all you, you're looking at it going man i can't go on i can't go on i can't do this for eight more miles i can't do this for 10 more miles and for some reason or other if you're if you're trained or, or whatever you you somehow find a way to power through it and you'll get across that finish line, but you always remember back to that. And what an interesting low point. And the things that you learn about yourself in those low spots. The things that you learn about yourself when you hit those low points. Because, see, it's easy to run a marathon when things are going great. Mile one, whoo, that's easy. I'm running a marathon. I'm one mile into it. Yeah, I'm great. Things are feeling good. The wind's at your back. You hit mile 18, mile 20, and it gets hard. It gets really hard. There's a lot of parallels in life, you know. There are times in our lives where, you know, man, things are going great. You got more money than you know what to do. Okay, maybe not that, but you've got, you've got, you're, you're on the positive side of, uh, on your checking account. 
Your relationship with your spouse is going great. Your kids are actually listening to you. Work is awesome. You know, those kinds of things. That's great, man. It's easy to follow Jesus. It's easy to live life there. But you know, there's also times in life that aren't so easy and that are like those low spots in a race. And you know what? You're out of money. You got no more money. You're having financial troubles. You and your spouse aren't getting along. Work isn't going the way that that you want it to. Uh, maybe maybe you and your boss aren't getting along. If uh, if you have kids, your kids aren't listening to you. They may be making some bad decisions, and you hit that low spot in life. And I don't know about you, but I've been there a time or two, and I've had times like that. And I think we all have, if we would be honest with one another, because life is very cyclical. Lots of ups and lots of downs. And I want us to look today at an interesting, uh, interesting passage of Scripture in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, talking about that. What is our response as a Christian, as a believer in Christ? What is our response? What are we to do in those low spots? If you would, sorry, if you would, 1 Peter chapter 4, we'll start in verse 7. 1 Peter is, of course, near the end of the New Testament, so go all the way almost to the end of your Bible, and then backtrack. You'll go Revelation, First uh, and Second, Third John, I think, and all that. And then you'll hit Second Peter, and of course, First Peter comes before Second Peter. So, First Peter chapter four, starting verse seven: The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a place, need a meal or a place to stay. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then God will be given glory in everything. Through Jesus Christ, all glory and power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. OK, let me set the stage for you here real quick. Let's take it out of Bible ease. And OK, there's first Peter. And let's talk just for a second about what's going on. Peter is actually the disciple. Everybody remember Peter? Yes. No, this means yes. OK, we yes. Yes. Everybody remember Peter. You can talk. It's church. It's, it's OK. You can talk in church. There's no law against it. Uh, everybody remember the disciple Peter? Yes. Fantastic. All right. There we go. Everybody remembers the disciple Peter. He is writing a letter to believers. And we think that it's during the persecution of Nero. We don't know that for sure. And some of you guys go, the persecution of who? What was that about? Nero was an awful ruler. He is, he is infamous for his persecution of Christians. He used them um, as, uh, as, as light posts at night. He would light them on fire. Uh, he would uh, burn them at the stake. It was awful. Some of the atrocities that Nero committed against believers was unheard of. Uh, just, just cruel, cruel forms of, uh, of punishment towards Christians. And so Peter is writing a book, a, a, a letter to Christians to encourage them that find themselves in the midst of this suffering, to encourage them to stay the course, to endure the persecution, the suffering, but also to live a godly life, to, to continue to live a godly life. We see here, first thing, he says in verse 7, the end of the world is coming soon, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. 
The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, anytime you see therefore in Scripture, think of it like an equal sign. You remember mathematics, 2 plus 2 equals 4. 2 plus 2, everything that's said before, equals. Here's the result, 4. Okay, so you have this this point in in verse 7. Just prior to that, Peter is laying out um, uh, the, the impending judgment. He's talking about the suffering that they're enduring. He's encouraging them to continue. We get to verse 7, he says, therefore. So in light of the suffering, in light of the fact that you're suffering, in light of the fact that there's judgment coming, Therefore, what does he say? He says, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Your your translation may actually say, be self-controlled and pray. Anybody find that ironic? Anybody see the irony there? Who's writing this? It's okay, you can talk in church. Who's writing this? Peter is. Peter was not exactly voted the most calm person of all the disciples. He wasn't voted the most likely to take a pass out of conflict. Oftentimes, he was voted the most likely to, uh, to pop off at somebody. Time and again, Peter pops off at people. You remember that? No, Jesus, I won't deny you. Yes, you will. No, I won't. You'll deny me three times. Sure as the crow, I will not deny you. Remember that? Time and again, Peter pops off. Time and again, he's so impulsive. And what is he saying here? First thing out of the gate. Therefore, here's the result. The result, your actions should be self-controlled and to pray. First thing, out of all the things that he could say to people that are suffering, be self-controlled and pray. I don't know about y'all. Maybe you guys love Jesus a whole lot more than I do. But that's hard for me. Man, when there's injustice, when I feel like somebody's doing an injustice toward me, or when there's something going on, or when I hit a low spot in my life, it's hard for me to be self-controlled and to just bite my tongue. That's hard for me. And again, maybe you're on down that road and you just, you know, you love God and all those things and you don't ever have any trouble with that. But I do. You guys can check out. If you, if you don't have any problems with that, you can check out. And we'll pick you up at the second point. But for me, that is so difficult to be self-controlled, to bite my tongue, to control myself in the midst of injustice, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of a low spot, to maintain discipline, to maintain self-control, and then what? And pray. And pray. I don't know about y'all, but for me, what's the first thing that I do when I hit a low spot? I pick up a phone. I go call my wife, or I call my dad, or I call Pastor Ron, or I call somebody and I want to talk to them. And oh, this lazy bum, and oh, that guy over there, and you wouldn't believe this, and blah, 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 blah. But of all of the things that Peter tells us to do, he says, be self controlled, be disciplined. Pray. Why is that? Here's my thought. My thought is because prayer changes our perspective. When we seek, we stop, and we humble ourselves, and we talk to God about it, our perspective changes, and therefore our response will change. 
And you know, the few times in my life that I've actually gotten this right, when I've hit a low spot or something and I've maintained discipline and I've prayed about it, can I tell you that oftentimes the response that God gives me is very, very different than the one that I would have chosen. You see, for me, my nature is to run toward the fight and to go get, get involved and get it and mix it up and, and, and do all of that when there's injustice, when I hit a low spot, when somebody is persecuting me. But the times that I've gotten it right in my life and I've been self-controlled and I've prayed about it, oftentimes that's not the direction that God wants me to go. And I don't know about you, but for me that's very, very different than the way that I would have approached this first thing out of the gate. Peter, what's he want us to do? What does he tell us? He tells us be self-controlled and to pray. Change your perspective. Secondly, what does he say? Verse 8, look at verse 8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Most importantly, first of all, maintain your discipline. Stay self-controlled and pray about it. Secondly, most importantly, Peter tells us, continue to show deep love for one another. Your translation may say, eagerly seek to love one another. Now, I don't want to get into all the Greek because I think it's kind of anyways. The, 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 the mental picture here, the picture that Peter is painting with that word eager literally is translated strain. Strain to love one another. Strain to show love for one another. The, the, the picture here, the visual image, is you ever watch the Olympics, the 100-yard dash? Everybody's seen the 100-yard dash in their life, right? Everybody's seen that? Yeah? Okay. Like, they get 80 yards into it. The gun goes off, and man, they're running, they're running. Whoa, there they go. They get 80 yards. How do they finish? They shut it down and just, whoo, okay, I'm going to coast on in. Is that the way they finish? No. Their chest is out. Their arms are back. It's hard for me to even do that, to strike that post just standing still. But their chest is way back. Their head is up. Their arms are back. They're straining. That's the picture that Peter is painting here. That of a runner straining towards the finish line. That they are so focused on getting across that finish line that every ounce of their being is going toward that cause. They're leaning forward. They're straining to accomplish that. That's the mental picture. That's the visual image that Peter is painting here of a sprinter, of a runner running towards the finish line. And everything that they have goes towards that. Every ounce of energy that they have goes towards getting across the finish line. That focus, that drive, every fiber of their being goes towards that. Peter says, most importantly, strain to love one another. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of a low point in your life, strain to love one another, to continue to show deep love for one another. I don't know about you, but boy, that's, I wasn't expecting that. I'm expecting kind of like an ooey-gooey, warm, come here, let me, let me put my arms around you and hug you and hold on to you a little bit and you know, you know, tell you, oh, it's going to be all right. But Peter tells us very candidly, strain towards loving one another. Love one another. He says here, 
for love covers a multitude of sin. He says, seek to love one another for love covers a multitude of sin. This isn't talking about if, if I'm straining towards loving one another, that somehow that love is going to 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 bring forgiveness and, and, and therefore negate the uh, the sacrifice of Christ. That's not what he's talking about when he's talking about a multitude of sin. He's talking about in the in the in the circle of biblical community, in, in the circle of authentic biblical community, that love puts up with a lot, can overlook a lot. Now, I'm not talking about an abusive situation. I'm not talking about unhealthy or dysfunctional type of relationships. I'm talking about in the in the in the in the palm of biblical community, the palm of biblical community, that the love that we have, that as we strain to love one another, guess what? We're still human. We're still going to mess up. We're still going to blow it sometimes. We're still going to screw up. And in the midst of that, as we strain to love one another, that that love will cover a lot of mess-ups, will cover a lot of blow-ups, a lot of screw-ups. That's what he's talking about there. He says, cheerfully, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Look to give. Look to be involved in providing and meeting someone else's need. Strain to love one another. And interestingly enough, it says cheerfully. I remember back in the early days of Rock Point, you won't find this in many how to grow a great big church manuals or anything like that. But our pastor, the first time I think he ever preached on money, he stood up on a Sunday morning and he said, you know what, I'm going to talk about money today. And let me just go ahead and tell you this. If you can't give cheerfully, then you can't give here. And I just sat in the back and I thought, what? Are you kidding me? Don't say that. Of all the things, Ron, that you could say, don't say that. Don't tell them they can't give. But it's the heart there that we do it cheerfully, that we cheerfully give. And as we, as we strain to love one another, as we press on and we are so focused as, as a runner, as a sprinter is on the finish line, we are so focused on loving and looking to love one another and meet someone else's needs that we do it cheerfully. What an amazing testimony that would be to a lost and dying world. Because I think we've all seen the, you know, those normal church people. Oh, how you doing? I'm suffering for Jesus. I'm just doing the Lord's work, bearing my cross. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't give, give testimony to anybody. But someone in the midst of a low spot, someone in the midst of, of, of suffering, looking to serve someone else, looking to give, to love on somebody else cheerfully. Boy, that, that's a huge testimony. That's a huge testimony. Finally, what does he say? Thirdly, look in verse 10. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Stop right there. We're called to serve. First and foremost, be self-controlled. Maintain discipline. Pray. Secondly, strain to love one another. 
And then finally, look to serve one another. God has given each of us unique talents, gifts, abilities. I don't want to get into a whole you know, discussion about spiritual gifts. We'll just suffice it to say that Peter here divides it into two categories. Those that speak and those that help. And you guys, the discussion of how many gifts there are and which gifts and where they fall and how many are there, five or there 13 or there 26 or there four, or there, you know, all of that we can do later. But Peter says there's two types, those that speak and those that help. And essentially what he's saying is as you hit that low spot, as you hit that low point, as you endure suffering, Look to use those gifts and those talents and those things that God has uniquely gifted you to do. You know, isn't it interesting? We look at this and of all the things that Peter could tell this body of believers that is enduring some of the worst persecution. He tells them to pray. He tells them to love one another. He tells them to serve. You know, it's interesting about running. This is just something I've found. I don't know if there's medical data to back it up. It's just one poor schmuck's opinion. That's, that's all it is, is, uh, is my opinion. But you know the absolute best way to get me through the wall, the absolute best thing that gets me through those low spots in a race is to take my mind off of myself and my current condition. Because you know what, about mile 16, man, my quads are burning, my ankles are swollen, my feet are swollen up, my hands, they get real, my fingers get real tight on my rings, and, and my head's just pounding, and I hurt, and all of that. And man, I could talk myself out of a race really, really quickly. But if I'll take my mind off of myself and my current situation, I begin to look around. And if I'm blessed enough to have somebody that I'm running with, we start talking, take my mind off of that. If I'm not and I'm by myself and I'm running, begin to think about something else. You know what I find? I look up and I'm three or four miles on down the road. By the time I come back to the realization that, oh yeah, my legs hurt. I think there's a very important point to be gleaned. I think Peter's onto that. That in the midst of those low spots, that the way to power through, the way to get through those low spots is to turn your perspective outward. And I'm not here to tell you and belittle the pain or suffering of those low spots. We've all had them. We've all suffered. We've all hit points that you just go, man, I can't go on anymore. And you're, you're just, you're, you're only by sheer act of volition are you continuing to walk. And I look at this and as Peter teaches these, these believers to turn our eyes outward to turn our perspective outward, to look around. Next time you get into a situation, you hit a low point, go to a nursing home and love on some people there. Go down to a soup kitchen. Go down to an inner city mission. Go spend some time down there and just love on some people. I'm not saying that's the fix all because I know that there are tragedies and things that happen in our lives that have long lasting impact but for Peter as he tells us he tells us to be self-controlled maintain discipline in the midst of that low spot 
to pray, to love one another, and ultimately to serve one another, to use the gifts and the talents that we have to serve.